Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 110 of the CU Insight Experience. This episode is brought to you by our friends at PSCU. We, we love having them as a sponsor and a partner of ours, and they allow us to have this much fun, you know, doing what we do. As the, the nation's premier payments queue, so the folks at PSCU proudly support the success of more than 1,500 credit unions. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of cuinsight.com and I'm lucky enough to have conversation with amazing people and bring them to you. I, I get to pick their brains and see if we can't find a few nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is Andy Janning. Andy is a filmmaker, an author, a photographer, an MC, a keynote speaker, a trainer, and a longtime supporter of, of and member of the credit union community. I, I have known and respected Andy Andy for quite some time since the uh, early days of CU Insight. And when I saw the work he did with our friends over at the National Credit Union Foundation on a project called Side Effects, I knew I had to have him on the show to have this conversation. So obviously we talked about side effects, but not, not only the specific project, but the motivation to dive into something this big. We talked about what he and Gigi hope will, will come from this project. I, I wanted to get into Andy's head to find out his hacks for tackling something so huge. How does he find that space? How does he keep his purpose constant over the, the months and years it takes to do something like this? This conversation was a ton of fun. We also talked a whole lot of, of credit unions and Andy's journey to where he is today. What an awesome episode. Andy is a pro. I, I look forward to our next conversation. I hope it will be in person soon. As always, we wrap up the show with some rapid fire questions. Who is that person that came to mind when Andy hears the word success? What's he reading? He's an author, but also what is he reading? And what was a young Andy Janning like growing up? You'll, you'll have to listen to find out. Make sure when you're done listening, you check out the show notes. There's more information on side effects and, and Andy's other projects. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Andy Janning. Enjoy. Andy, my friend, welcome to the show. Ah, uh, Randy, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I am so excited to have this conversation. It's been a long time coming, so oh. it's. Uh, I, I thank you for taking the time today. And you know, it was interesting putting together like some questions and things like that because I've known you for a long time. I know there's a ton we could you know talk about, and we will. But <laughs> I do want to make sure before I go down any other rabbit holes, I want to talk about this project side effects. Let me just start by saying. I've watched the episodes that have been released. It is amazing. It's beautiful. Um, you. you are an artist, my friend. No, and I, so if you could, instead of me trying to explain it to everybody else, I know I would never do the job that you could. Can you tell our listeners about this project, Side Effects, that you created with our friends over at the National Credit Union Foundation? What is it? And if you don't mind sharing, what was your motivation behind it? Oh, man. I, first of all, th that, that blesses me more than I can tell you, Randy. Seriously, that, uh, uh, that's one of the best compliments you, that I could ever receive. Uh, so side effects, you know, the, the top line summary, you know, it's about the financial crisis of cancer in America. The goal is to help credit unions see and serve cancer patients and their families better. So the, the momentum for this started with Gigi Hyland, the executive director of the foundation. July 2018, she writes a white paper that shows the link between physical health and financial well-being. 
and you know and mentions illnesses like cancer in there and she's one of the really one of the first people in our industry to kind of look over the horizon and see that there is this linkage there and i think a lot of us we understood that instinctually but i don't think we really really embraced it you know how we as an industry can be can be attacking it fast forward to february of last year I go out to Gigi's house to record the the video, the intro video for the Wagner dinner. That Absolutely, year. yeah. And I'm sitting around Gigi's uh, dinner table, and she says, "I have a crazy idea for you." She says, "I'm looking to do a story about the financial crisis of cancer," and that was right around the time that. My wife was, she had just had some surgery for her breast cancer. Uh, she had been, she was about eight months into her breast cancer journey. So I was like, yes and yes, I want to be able to talk about that. But I didn't, you know, and I knew what the financial impact of cancer was, but I didn't really realize just how big of an issue it was. And so after talking to the cancer care advocates that are part of the documentary, to after talking to the members that we get to feature in the documentary, you know, we we found that there's you know some really alarming things kind of going on here. 73% of cancer patients, adult cancer patients, will experience some level of financial distress as a result of their cancer diagnosis. 38% of those patients, they either postpone or they don't get their prescriptions filled because of the of the cost. Cancer patients, they have a 2.65 times more likely to declare bankruptcy and those that do, they have a 79% greater chance of mortality because of it. Yeah. So when you put all of these things, you can we can throw all, all the statistics, but really with side effects, what we want to do is bring this right down to the member level, bring this down to the human level. What does this look like and what can credit unions do? What have they done and what is them some space for us to create for them to do to serve these patients? And we may think, you know, there's, there's not going to be anybody that listens to this that hasn't been affected in some way, shape or form with cancer. And that's because according to the American Cancer Society, one in three Americans will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their lives. So this is going to touch somebody. So we want to try and paint as vivid a picture of the financial crisis of cancer as we can. So I try to use a, a variety of storytelling mediums, you know, <laughs> essays, short films, photos, podcast episodes, to try and meet the audience where they were. Because admittedly, Randy, this is a heavy subject. Yeah, And coming yeah. on the heels of the coronavirus, there may be kind of this resistance like, okay, seriously, I don't need any more drama. Keep it over there, old man. But so we're trying to approach this in a sensitive way. We're trying to approach this in a real way, but also approach this in an optimistic way to say, okay, here's where they are. Here's what's happened. Here's what we can do to give people some, some really some, some meaningful action steps to, to move forward with that. So, you know, there was something that you just said though. Uh, and I remember when I was watching the videos, the idea that we all became more aware of how a health crisis can yeah. financially hurt us because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do wonder, when you say that, is it the perfect time to get us thinking about like how something like this? Because I was blown away. You, you mentioned the statistics when when I was watching. I was blown away by the numbers, and I remember Gigi talking about she was the second episode ever, mm -hmm. you know, after her white paper of the CU Insight experience. So you know that idea that 
like not only does it affect people financially, but like you said, it actually ups the mortality rate yes, too. It's it insane does. that money should do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's just uh, yeah. And, sorry and, to jump in. But, no, no, no. That's yeah. and, and the and one of the research that we got to interview is a guy named Dr. Yusuf Safar. He's a uh, researcher with the Duke Cancer Institute, and he said the American cancer experience is so different from anybody else's. You know, he says I talked to my colleagues in other countries, and they are aghast that people could go bankrupt because of a cancer diagnosis. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, so we can, you know, up until recently, what the effect that financial institutions can have in the entire, you know, cancer care ecosystem really hasn't been examined. We typically talk about insurance and prescription drug payments right. and costs and all of that. But we have, we as an institution, we as an, as an industry, we have such control over the volume and velocity of funds that move through our, our members' accounts. So we need to be part of that conversation. And through the documentary, we saw some pretty amazing interventions. But I will also tell you that there, and I, I'll probably allude to it later, What made this project compelling for me was that there were two unbelievable twists in it that I'm not going to tell you yet. Two (laughs) unbelievable, like you have to watch. (laughs) Yeah, you have to watch. You have to listen. You have to read. Two unbelievable things that in my 30 plus years in financial services, I have never seen a financial institution do and talk about. So you're just going to have to watch and see. And that for me was like, these were not stories that we were typically looking for. And so you know, to, to be able to do this as a way to give back to an industry that has been unbelievably good to me, better than I ever expected, to do it as a way to ins- try into as many ways as possible, honor my wife to try and honor her struggle as a breast cancer warrior and survivor. I have to, how is your wife doing? Everybody uh, out there wants to know as they're listening <laughs> to this. That's, you know, I mean, well, if you don't mind me asking. No, no, no. Uh, she is, she is a warrior and she's doing, she's doing better. Uh, she's, she's on the mend. She is officially cancer free, quote unquote, but she is still on some oral chemo that's going to last for about a year to prevent cancer from coming up anywhere else. She's still dealing with uh, some pretty rare side effects, yep. no pun intended. Uh, that for her have have been uh, pretty physically challenging and kind of and kind of psychologically challenging, but she is the single strongest human being I have ever met in my life. And for her to be able to continue to be present and loving and supportive and servant-hearted, not just to me and our and our our kids, but to the community around her, to for her job. That's who you should be talking to. That's, right. That's what, that's what real strength looks like. And I got to, as a part of the side effects, I got to meet some of these other cancer patients. One of them did have breast cancer too. And to see the kind of the connections that form there and see that, that kind of that, oh my gosh, you're, you're, a, you're a pink sister. You understand what we're going through. So I think to build, be able to build that community, that's been a nice little, uh, nice little, uh, fringe benefit of this, of this project. And for me, it's been, um, it's been able to pull at every single thing that I love doing in a way that I never would have expected had my wife not got cancer and, and had Gigi not had the vision almost three years ago to talk about this. Absolutely. Yeah. So it just shows me that uh, nothing is an accident and nothing is wasted. It is uh, amazing how this world works. You know, there's a question that I've been asking this year on the podcast and I, I was thinking about it and I almost took it out to make more space for some other stuff. But I was like, Nope. I think Andy's like the, you know, the, the guy to ask this quite <laughs> honestly after the last few years. Um, 
there was so much pivoting going on as leaders in credit unions during COVID last year. And something that I can tell you, honestly, I, I hope I'm a little further down this path now, but I was struggling with in the beginning was like, which one of these pivots work? Which one didn't? Which are long term? Which are short term? You've talked about like that you have other passions. You you have different passions that you've done. You, there are things that you've been known for and you've pivoted. I think they're all, you're, you're like I said, I think you're an artist, you know, over and over. But any hacks out there for the listener who like they're looking at their credit union or even their careers and like wanting to look at maybe making that pivot? What does the next year, three years, five years look like? Any thoughts you can share there? Uh, drinking heavily, Randy. Really, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really right. Just, Let's I mean, go to that. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think for me, you know, that that's a hard question to answer because, like you meant, like you said, I I love photography, I love filmmaking, I love writing, I love speaking, I love audio storytelling, I love all of those things. And when you know a lot of the live speaking events went virtual or when they got postponed, I had I I was really fortunate to be able to pivot to kind of, you know, use more of my storytelling gear, you know, for side effects and be able to pivot to that. And the one of my one of my many character flaws is that, you know, when I move to a different phase of life, it's very easy for me to say, okay, well, everything else I did before then, it's done. I'm done with that. It's all happily ever after and doing this thing now. And the the season that I'm in right now is saying that I'm not ready to say that that all of them have fully served their purpose yet. I'm more of in this idea of blending, not ending anything, blending all of these things together and realizing that I love to do all of these things. And because I have that love, that must mean something. And it's, you know, if I can synthesize them and put them together in a way that blesses others, that helps showcase others, that gives them hope, that for me, that that's that's a really fun direction to go. And but Here's the problem. I don't know if there are more than like two freelance credit union storytellers out there. I'd love to meet the other ones because I think I'm like one of the only ones, one of them. There is, there's absolutely no rule book for this. There's absolutely like no like career path here. So many times I feel like I'm fumbling around in the dark kind of trying to figure, like, put some things together. Some things work, some things don't. But, you know, as with anything, it's experimentation. It's saying, okay, hey, this worked, this didn't. But it's also given me a heart for, uh, just continue to, to soften my heart for the for the struggles of others and to be able to find ways to serve them and amplify what they're going through and lift them up. That's one of my greatest purposes. Okay, so I'm going to tweak a question I thought I was going to ask you because you just said something that I've often thought about as an entrepreneur is sometimes the most important thing is to say, nope, that didn't work and to move forward with something else that maybe is working or whatever. And that can be really difficult when it's something we are passionate about and care about. As you were talking right there and you were talking about doing many you know, I mean, doing a lot of your different passions and you said some work, some didn't. Do you take time to kind of reassess what you're doing? Do you, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that I heard over and over again last year was we were all putting out fires. So like when uh, Jill and I talked about missing the time on the plane where you're not interrupted and you can just think for an hour or two, mm -hmm. right? How do you, do you have a process? Is it something that you do regularly to, to take a look at these different things and say, okay, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. 
I'm going to go in a different direction. Dude, I, I would love to give you a soundbite here, but I am, I am like the rankest of amateurs here. I, I think that for me, you know, it's, you know, part of, I think what's been helpful is, you know, in the, in the credit union world, they have these disaster recovery exercises where they put everybody in a room and they say, okay, if everything burns down, what would you do? And that's been really, really useful over the past, this past year and a half to be able to kind of have that idea is like, what would you get rid of? What would you keep? And what would you, what would you kind of rework? What would you do more or less better different? And, you know, there hasn't been necessarily a substantive process uh, okay. for me, but one thing that I've done a lot better is a process that I'm calling harnessing the panic. Okay. Okay. You know, they say in entrepreneurship, they say it's like, you know, it's building, it's building a perfectly good, you know, it's jumping out of a perfectly good airplane and building the parachute on the way down. Right. right. So asking myself the question, okay, when I'm panicking at three o'clock in the morning, because I look at my financials or look at this and that I'm going, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to have to sell plasma yesterday to make the house payment. It's asking myself, what am I scared of? What am I scared of losing? What am I worshiping? And what are the things I'm I'm so afraid to lose that it's keeping me up right now? That process has really kind of forced me to reassess what is it that I worship? What is it that I've placed my trust in? What is it that I think that I want to be known for? Whose life am I trying to improve? And so that's really kind of helped get me out of my own head and get me off of my own altar. It's also helped me kind of embrace, I think, that, that like you said, the artistic side to be able to put things together. And in times of struggle, in times of stress, in times of that are uncertain, we run to art. It's one of the reasons why streaming services in 2020 were reported over, overall a 50% increase in subscribers. Absolutely, when we right, get yeah. stressed, when we, when the, when, when the world gets crazy, we turn to art. We turn what to what is beautiful and inspiring and compelling. And for me, that's, that's been kind of my, my ask of myself is saying, how can I provide that safe space for when the world is weird? How can I do that? And not just for the people out there, but for the people I live with. How yeah, can absolutely. I live this here? Because I'm going to tell you, they're going to hear me saying stuff like this. And you know, my, my dog's going to be in there going, my dad is so full of crap. I can't even believe it. <laughs> so if I can help them embrace that kind of that, let's make something beautiful out of, out of ashes. You say about putting out fires, what's being burned up in that fire? Because sometimes that's good fuel. Sometimes that, that fire is taking things away from you that never needed to be there in the first place. So asking myself, what's that, what is that fire burning up and what is it potentially threatening? That's been an important question for me to ask. And I haven't answered, I haven't answered it well, but right. I'm hey, working on it. I, I am a, I'm a huge fan. My journaling consists of asking questions I often don't have any answers for. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, 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 I love that thought process. I, I do have a question because you've worked on, you know, not only side effects, this is a mm-hmm. big project that yes. I know took a lot of time. Previously, you wrote your book, you know, Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men. Uh, that, again, is not something that you just knock out in an evening, right? Like, I'm going to use the word hack again, but for people that have that big project or that big thing that they're dreaming of doing, how have you went about creating space for the the big some people will say, you know, I give my, I, I go to the office every day at nine o'clock and I force myself to write 500 words. And that may work great if you're like Hemingway. Okay. Right. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's, it's being open to, I am inspired. Inspiration will hit me in really weird ways. And I, so I've got, you know, the, the, the notes app on my phone, the voice memos, the Evernote that when inspiration hits me, it's like, Ooh, let's try that. So once I give myself the margin to say, okay, Let's stop worrying about, okay, well, you, you need to rest now. You need to rest. This need, you need a Sabbath right now. And that just stresses me out going, okay, 
Just be open to what's around you right now. Being more aware for me sometimes is more refreshing than being more unplugged or being more disconnected. Now, I'm saying that with the very heaviest grain of salt possible, realizing that for some people, they don't have that kind of margin. For where I am in this space of life and the season that I'm going into and coming out of, you know, this past year, yeah, it was tough. Coronavirus, cancer, both of my parents nearly died in in this past December, didn't really talk much about that. So we've had a lot of heavy things going on there, but everything's a teachable moment. So if I give myself the ability to say, okay, what is this moment teaching you? What can you learn from this? What does this crisis create? Asking myself that question and being aware of what the answers may come out and being willing to capture them, that's been more helpful for me than just saying, okay, I need to have a hard firewall. That's That doesn't work for me because I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in work-life relationship. One, the What you do in what you do to make money helps you live the life that you're, that you're making the money for. Right. So I see that, that work-life harmony and to be able to embrace that, that's been very, very helpful for me. Uh, is a, a beautiful uh, realization to have, right? Like mm-hmm. that it's uh, they kind of feed each other. But so the question I added this year is that idea that we are kind of that collective of who we choose to surround ourselves with, right? Like they influence us. So uh, a question for you, who do you surround yourself with? Like who are, who are those people that have helped Andy along the way to, to be where you are today? Well, you know, the, the easy answer is my wife and kids, because we have, we've spent an extraordinary amount of time with each other. Uh, we've had to be very extra careful because of, you know, Carla's cancer. We've had to be really, really careful about the, who we spend time with. So it's been us a lot. Um, but I have drank this in because, you know, our girls are almost 18 and almost 17 and they're going into a new phase of life too. So we're just trying to soak up every moment and kind of look past the, you know, the dirty clothes and, you know, (laughs) know, the the messy kitchen and those things and going, I'm not going to miss that in five years. I'm going to want to see them. So they have been so influential for me and keeping me young, keeping me grounded, keeping me modest. Uh, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so a few other people that I've been able to surround myself with, uh, Amanda Elkins, a two score. She's been just a, a wonderful friend and confidant and mentor throughout these years. Gigi Highland, um, yeah, I spent an extraordinary yeah. amount of virtual time with her. She's been super inspirational. I've been able to spend time with, uh, Ronaldo Hardy, um, Kenny DeShields, uh, my buddy Brian Moffitt, who used to work for, uh, he works for PSCU now. Um, Andrea Dose that used to work for the Iowa Credit Union is now with Affinity Credit Union. Jody Allen at the Iowa Credit Union League. Kristen Ryan, some of my, my top folks, but then also art. You know, I believe you are also the product of the art that you consume of the things that you that you consume in your free time will will also influence you, too. So I've tried to find some ways to to surround myself by good storytellers Uh, Uh, to not to try and get on their level, but just be inspired by the work that they do that helps, you know, help me do do more and better work. That's another thing I understand. It is it is something to appreciate. Someone who can tell a good story, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> there's a couple questions that I, I want to, and again, was looking forward to talking to you about. I know your just from knowing you, like service. Mm-hmm. It's your thing, um, you know, and, and I'm going to kind of put this into it. You and I know we've spent, uh, you know, a long time in credit unions. It's not difficult to find purpose in credit unions whatsoever. Is there something that you do to make sure? Is there a ref- like, do you reflect from time to time to make sure that you're, whether it's professionally or personally, you're still living within that purpose, that sense of service that, that I know drives you because all of us in life, 
veer different directions at different times, right? Like, um, but how do you make sure whether it's, and like I said, personally, professionally, I think as credit unions to make sure that we're still serving that purpose over and over, you know, I mean, any thoughts you could share on, on how to keep purpose constant? How about that? So it comes first and foremost from my faith. I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. And so being able to center myself and ground myself in, in those teachings to be able to ground myself in the examples of the people that gave up everything to follow Christ and, and move along with him. Um, that's been huge for me. There's an app called The Chosen that is the single largest crowdfunded TV show ever made. That's literally a TV show about the life of Jesus. And it is, you know, we've all seen these representations of him, you know, as kind of this, you know, kind of aloof, you know, white American looking guy with long stringy hair. This is the truest image and characterization of Christ that I've ever seen. And it's ever, it's, it's really kind of challenged my notions of what it means to be a servant leader. It challenged my notions of what it means to be a person of faith. Uh, it's challenged my love, my, my notions of what love is. It challenged my notions of what it means to be selfless and selfish. So it's really kind of met me at a season where I really needed it at a season when we can't go to church, when we can't physically be in the building, even though they're open, we still need to stay quarantined because we want Want to, I don't want my wife getting sick. I don't want Absolutely. to get sick. Right. Um, yep. So being able to ground myself there, that is the lifeblood and foundation of my life. And to be able to, once again, this is where artistry comes in, to be able to have that art come in at the time that I needed it has been overwhelmingly clarifying for me. And being able to kind of ask myself hard questions about who who am I really worshiping? Who am I really serving? Whose name am I really trying to get out there? And what, how am I really defining success? Those have been hard questions that keep me up more, more times than I want to count. But they also help me sleep better at night once I know that I answer them and try to live, live by the answers better than I did yesterday. I've got a big picture question for you here. And, and I, I think like me, I would put myself in this. You and I have this glorious opportunity to watch credit unions from 30,000 feet, right? Yeah, like yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we get to work with people across the country and, and see everything that's going on. Is there something, and I've asked this for you know a few years now on the show, that you think credit unions need to do differently to stay relevant with all the change and disruption that goes on every day around us? You, yeah. I, I'm sure none of us believe that we're going backwards ever, right? Like it's, uh, it's uh, there's only going to be more. But when you're looking at credit unions from that you know national blimp level, what do we have to do better? So you know, I'm going to couch this by saying you know. The, the the views and opinions expressed by your podcast guest does not <laughs> does not officially represent any other you know credit union organization. Um, right. You know, with that said, you know, first and foremost, launching meaningful financial assistance programs for people who are battling cancer. What I would love to see is similar to what we did with the coronavirus for cancer patients that are stage one through three to have an automatic loan forbearance program for as long as that person is actively in treatment for chemo radiation. We did, we did the same thing with the coronavirus. We I was going to say, we show we could do that, right? We can do so, the same yeah. thing. We can do the same thing uh, with stages one through three. For uh, patients who are stage four, I would love to see loan forgiveness completely, have the loans completely paid off. And here's, here's why I say that. So I'm going to throw a couple numbers out there. As of 2019, there was a little over 606,000 people that died of cancer. Not all of them were stage four, but most of them were. There are approximately 122 million credit union members. Even if all of those people that that passed away were stage four, which they're not. That 606,000 represents 0.0049% of our total membership. We can afford to do this. 
And it would, I think it would be transcendently beautiful and a fulfillment of our mission for us to look at a cancer patient with a terminal diagnosis. And terminal means you have a less than 15% chance of surviving for the next five years to say, your debts to us are forgiven. I have seen how that manifests itself, and I can tell you without fear of contradiction, it will keep that person healthier, and it will improve their quality of life in ways that cannot be measured. So, with all of that said, that's part one of, that's part one of my TED Talk. Part two, better serve underserved populations. Black, Indigenous, people of color, LGBTQ. How can we identify and root out the systemic bias that prevents us from seeing and serving those broken and hurting folks around us? How can we become more diverse in our board and leadership and staff members? And I know that that has been a song that so many really good people have sung. Jill sung it. You sung yeah. it. So many people are singing it out there right now. But the work that I did the the about a year and a half ago, the Credit Union Photography Project, when we looked at, you know, the how do we how do we photographically represent our members? That was really eye opening for me because we members are still an abstraction. You know, we saw that you know less than four percent of the total number of, of photos that are on the Credit Union websites that we saw yeah, right. actually actually had actual members on them. We don't show our employees less than 13%. Most most photos out there are stock photos. We do not center the people that we say are the center of our mission. We do not have examples of the real people that we serve. I would love to be able to see our industry do a much better job of that, not just because it looks better, not just because it's differentiating. The thing about this is that it's a it's a physical manifestation. It is an investment in the people that pay our salaries. And I've had people say, but it's difficult to do. It's hard to find the members. Yes, it is. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard. But if there's any industry on earth that needs to do a better job of not just telling its story, but telling the surprises and the struggles of the people that we serve, it's us. Absolutely. It's our industry. We have that responsibility. We have... We have that right. And over the last few years, you know, there's been this increased emphasis in our industry about we need to be better storytellers. And I get that. But now we need to become even more sophisticated now. It's not just telling a good story, but it's a narrative that's also surprising, that's interesting, that's not exactly what you would expect. Too many of the stories that we want to tell about the people that we serve is basically just thinly veiled product brochures. Right, right. And we need to start getting away from that. So in case in point, Super Bowl ad for Jeep this year featured Bruce Springsteen. Two minutes, 11 seconds. Jeep appeared, a Jeep product, not counting the end title card, it appeared less than 15 seconds in that ad. You didn't even know it was a Jeep ad if you weren't looking for it till the very end. And But if you form emotional connection not just to the brand, but to the what the brand is saying. And I would love it if credit unions took more of a play, more of a page from that playbook and said, let's just document the amazing struggles and surprises and just the heroes that are out there right now. And let's see what their life is like and not just say, and their life was made better by our credit union debit card. That's not what we want to see. And here's the problem there. So it takes effort to find those. And we have, I think, a as an industry, we have a psychological aversion to surprises think about uh, it. Yeah, we yep, don't yep, like yep. surprises. Yep, Most yep. humans don't, but especially in our industry, we don't like surprises. We we don't want them, but we have to continue to find those surprises in order to be able to tell the compelling stories about our membership that keeps our own fires lit and keeps making people say, hey, 
They see me. They value me. They trust me. And I will tell you that our biggest competitors in this space is not our banks. Banks are significant. Yes. Fintech is significant. Absolutely. But the thing that's going to kill us is apathy and indifference, apathy to our members and our mission. And it's that apathy that manifests itself in the fact that we want to see our members as inconvenient abstractions and not as real people living real lives that really need, that would really can't wait to tell us about here's where I am and here's where I want to go. And here's maybe something that people can learn from my struggle. Absolutely. Those are some of the things I want to see. And I mean, I'm just, I'm going, hey, if you need somebody to help you with it, I can help. You can help tell the stories. Yeah. There are so many great stories to tell, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the the Super Bowl ad was a great example of it is that's what draws us in is the story told right and not a product placement as much. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your career. It again is, and I I think the answer that you just gave really will lead into a, a couple things here is, but I'd like to just learn a little bit more about you. Is there something people who've worked with you have heard you say so many times that they can finish your sentence or they're like, we know, Andy? Or how about the family? We've all been quarantining, right? Like, by, I mean, everybody's, our pods have been very small for the last year. I'm sure your daughters are like, we know that. So, yeah, they've uh, cleaned your room probably is what they right. first thing. But um, I think that uh, one of the things I like to say is don't ask what you want to be when you grow up, ask what problems you want to solve as you grow. Uh, and, I uh, and I think being able to being able to share that, and that's that's something that one of the other groups of people that really keep me charged, keep me recharged, is young professionals. Uh, I get to spend time with crashers, both you know from the GAC level and, and different state levels and leagues, and they keep me young, and they they get me so just excited and motivated for the future of the industry. And I really wish I had been posed this question when I was their age to be able to say, stop figuring out, try stop trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up and just ask yourself what problems you want to solve as you grow. As you say this, I'm like, the a credit union should ask itself this too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. not do you want to be a billion dollars, but what are you trying? Oh, that's, I think that's fantastic. I wish you would have posed that question to me about <laughs> 25 years ago. So I mean, you've got me thinking on it. I'm honestly like sitting here going, I need to write that down because that's going to be a journal prompt probably for tomorrow morning. So <laughs> I don't remember where I heard it. I heard it from somebody way smarter than me. I'm just passing it along there, but it's been one of the more transformational questions that's ever been posed to me. I, I absolutely love that. Is there a myth you've worked with future leaders, but also a lot of leaders. Is there a myth about leadership or being a good leader that you think is dead wrong that just makes your skin skin crawl, right? Like you, if you never heard it again, you'd be happy. Uh, it's so it's this mentality of you can have it all. And so here's what I mean by that. When I first became an entrepreneur, a mentor of mine basically said, look, that you have to tell any client that they, they, that they have a choice to make between fast, cheap, and good. They have to, they have to choose two. They can, they can't have all three, but they're going to want all three. You can only have two. If you want it fast and cheap, it's not going to be good. And so, you know, you can re- re- recombine it, you know, that way. And I think being able to realize that we're not meant to have it all. You know, the, this myth, and I think it's been kind of a westernized myth that, that you can have everything and have all of it and you're going to have be amazing at all of it. I think it's, it leads to a dangerous sense of entitlement. I think it leads to a very dangerous kind of, it's a very unhealthy relationship between hustle and, you know, and, and goodness. It's got this hustle porn, if you will, that thinking if I, you know, get, you know, get on my grind every single day, the only thing that you're grinding down is yourself. And that, that's not just me talking. I have seen too many marriages, relationships, careers, legacies, 
homes, stuff just ground down because people were too busy building an altar to their own greatness that they didn't live the life that was given to them and realizing they don't have to have the biggest life to be the most successful one. And I say that to myself because I am the chief among sinners on that. (laughs) So realizing that, you know, I'm not meant to have it all and that's okay. We can't have it all. We're only here for a breath. What can I do to help bless others on my way? I love that. Oh, there's so much that comes with thinking internally, right? Like, I mean, that idea of, uh, you know, what kind of those core values for yourself are. I, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's tough to get. Uh, other people can't tell us our own values, right? Is there something that you used to do that maybe got you to this level, right? Like, and even I'm just talking about like what you were talking about right there, like putting everything into perspective, but that you're like, why did I stop doing that? That was really healthy and good for me. I miss training for marathon. That's that's something that I used to, I ran my first and only, I say marathons, I only ran one, I've run a bunch of mini ones, but I was in like the best shape of my life. And I was, but I I was like getting up at four o'clock in the morning, I was training for two hours before I even like got to work. And I'm going to hijack your question a little bit. I'm going to blow it up um, because I know why I can't do it anymore because I'm not, it's not 13 years ago. Um, (laughs) My body has said, no, you're not built for that anymore. So it's, it's been kind of an adjustment. So again, I've, I've learned that, okay, I may not be able to run a marathon right now, but maybe later, but it's okay. I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace to say, Hey, at least I'm moving. At least I'm trying to keep myself healthy and we'll see where that takes me. Absolutely. Outside of credit unions, uh, you know, when you're not working on a project like side effects, what what do you do to recharge? You mentioned it earlier, not it's not work life balance. It it wasn't the term that I had in the questions even, but it was like it's that integration of work life. Like what does that look like to to Andy on a day to day basis? It is spending as much intentional time with my family as possible. We are huge, huge movie buffs around here. I mean, we have all the streaming services and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the worst person in the world to be like, Oh, let's get Paramount plus and, and dearest. And, and so we'll just, but cause we love all these stories and all these narratives. I mean, that's, that's one of the ways I like to recharge is, is seeing good stories, pray, worship, you know, reading the Bible. I've really been much more intentional now about what I'm eating. I'm taking a cue from Randy Smith's book about, you know, <laughs> trying to, uh, trying to become less of me, um, uh, and, less space, huh? <laughs> and, and, you know, realizing that, Hey, there's a big relationship between what I eat and how I feel. And I can't eat like when I was running, you know, training for a marathon. So, right, yeah. you know, adjusting that I think has really helped given me a lot more energy and give me a lot more focus. So being able to put those things together, and that's been super useful to me. There's no big revelations there, but I found that the basic stuff, there's a reason why they're, they're cliche because they work. They, they absolutely. So I have to ask, what's the, the does the family have a, a favorite movie? Or one that you guys recently you know, loved? It's it's kind of just like, what do we like right now? We're really into the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Basically, anything on Disney Plus right now, we just came out of the, you know, the WandaVision, you know, American Idol. I mean, just, I mean, we really, we're right in like all of those streaming services, demographic sweet spots. We will consume basically everything that, they, that they'll put out there. <laughs> everything. So just, just give us all of your best stuff. Just take my money, Disney. It's fine. But, um, but yeah, so that's, those are some of our favorites right now. Um, um, I, for me, I mean, I'm actually looking right now at a, at a poster of Hamilton on my wall. I mean, I listen to that thing probably three times a week, yep, um, absolutely. Not, not, not in front of my family anymore. Cause they're probably sick of hearing me, you know, listening to and talk about it, but yeah, that's kind of always my creative jam too. That's a good one. That's for sure. So it wouldn't be the CU Insight experience without some rapid fire questions. The questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. Was there something that you said no to? 
that you are sure glad you did. <laughs> so two things. Painting. Um, I hate it. I hate it with a passion. I hate anything to do with house painting. And Awesome. Um, Leave that for Christopher Morris, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so house, so we, you know, we've been meaning to paint our, our house, you know, the inside of our house for years. My wife's been on it and she's been like, fine, I just want to do it. And so finally, I was like, fine, we'll just get some paint and we're just going to paint. And so as, as, as my want, I screwed it up badly. We first of all, we chose a bad color. And then I thought, Oh, I'm just going to paint. What could possibly go wrong? It looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. Um, had Jackson Pollock like just used like, like, like a squirt gun rather than just sprinkling things on the wall. So we ended up, you know, basically hiring a professional who fixed our mess to, to fix the mess right? in like, yep. in like 45 minutes. But I was so resistant to it because I didn't want to deal with it, but I'm glad it's like, Oh my gosh, it makes such, such a big difference. So that's number one. Number two is podcasting, oddly enough. For years, I have been wanting to do a podcast, but kept saying, no, there's nothing really interesting that I'm going to be able to share on that. There's nothing, there's like 11 billion podcasts out there. That's true. Um, (laughs) But uh, through the work with side effects, through just researching that world and seeing, going into those stories has opened up a wealth of other stories and possibilities that has been inspiring for me to create a new podcast, which I can't tell you about it yet. Oh, and I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share it, but you know, it's, it will be directly related to some of the issues that I uncovered in, in side effects. Um, but it will be my own production that will be launching in early 2022. Well, when it does, you will have to let us know so we can tell everyone about it, my friend. I think you are an amazing storyteller, so I'll be one of your first listeners. I Thank can you. tell you that. So Thank I you. think I think this podcasting is is like made for you. You just oh, you get you. to tell stories. It'd be amazing. Uh, thank you. Has there been a recent purchase? And I've kind of added the term <laughs> a COVID purchase. You know uh, that you made that you had no idea you needed, but now you're like, I can't live without that. Okay, so there's been a few of them, and they've all actually involved my wall. So we kind of redecorated. I'm redecorating my office right now, and I got wall art, new wall art. So one of them is this big six foot long uh, photo reproduction of the Apollo 11 trajectory map oh, from okay. the Earth to the Moon, kind of the different staging stuff like that. Uh, also within uh, three of the iconic photographs taken from the Moon on the Apollo 11 mission with my favorite camera brand, which is Hasselblad. It's a handmade Swedish camera maker uh, that literally, they literally, they, any iconic photo you've seen from the NASA moon missions was taken on Hasselblad cameras. Okay. So okay. I get to put those things on the wall. I now have a, a new piece of art coming for about Mad Men, one of my favorite TV series ever that I'm putting up. So I didn't realize how much I needed just good wall art. Uh, it's, you got to have that space, right? To work. But that's, so. but that's what I got, man. So yeah, that's, that's been good. cool. What was Andy like in high school? Oh and uh, I'm going to add to this question besides, did you get in any memorable trouble but like what'd you want to be when you grew up okay so i was nauseatingly well behaved and okay. impossibly uptight when i was in high school i mean randy i i'm not i'm not kidding you when i tell you that i had the hair and the demeanor of a middle-aged news anchor when i was in high school seriously <laughs> it was awesome it was so bad but uh on what i'm just the, picturing ron burgundy right now you dude, realize that right seriously, so. <laughs> I, I can send you a picture and you will laugh until you soil yourself but one night though of 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 badness though i was hanging out with a few of my buddies at noble romans a pizza place uh down in franklin indiana 
And because we were feeling crazy, we said, Hey, would it be fun if we stole an empty pitcher of, you know, of, of soft drinks? So right, we had yep. consumed like a copious amount of Coke, empty pitcher. We said, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if we snuck it out of here with a, who we're so deviant. This is what passed for entertainment. So we, we sneak, we sneak the pitcher out. We get into my buddy's car. We're driving and we go cruising down the Franklin town square as, as people were wont to do. And so we're cruising around town and all of a sudden this car just rolls right up to our side, screeches to a halt. Guy looks at us. It's the manager of the noble Romans saying, Hey, uh, notice that one of our pitchers from our restaurant was missing. You guys, awesome. <laughs> you all wouldn't know a thing about that, would you? And we're like, of course, because since we're teenage boys, we lie and we say, no, sir, of course not. Keeps like, are you sure you don't? Nope. Don't know nothing about it. the picture is at my feet and I'm lying to this adult about <laughs> stealing something from his store. And he says, okay, well, if you know who took it, you can let me know. And there may be a free pizza involved for you. So he goes speeding off and we just, we died laughing. Even to this day, we still, it just with, with my buddies, we still say, Hey, Remember the picture? It was the picture. A, yeah. So we, so that was, but that was really the only kind of trouble that I got into, Randy. Um, <laughs> that's, I, I wish it was a, it was, it was a much more fun story, but yeah, I just, we basically just stole, uh, you know, just stole some kitchenware and that was about uh, it. Right. You know, yeah, that's, that's what we did as kids. So yeah. <laughs> what are you reading? And is there that book that you've either gifted people? Uh, and of course, we're going to link to yours. Everybody should buy it. But is there that book that you've either gifted or you just think everybody should read? So I'm currently listening to a book called White Fragility. Why it's so oh, hard for yeah, white people absolutely. to talk about racism. Uh, yep. it's, it's been it's fantastic. Ooh, yeah. It is uh, intense, but very, very well worth the read. Uh, the two books that, oh, that I have purchased and recommended to people, one of them is called The War of Art. It's by a man named Stephen Pressfield. And it is one of the most influential books I've ever read about creativity. And it doesn't matter if you consider yourself to be an artist, anything you're trying to create, you, there will be resistance. There will be a war when you're trying to put something creative and new into the world. That book breaks it down with that resistance looks and sounds like better than any other work that I've ever seen. I, so I, I read that book years ago or a few years back. And I, I will tell you that. I don't think that's ever been mentioned on the podcast before. <laughs> and it's surprising. As soon as you said it, I'm like, how has nobody ever mentioned that book before? So, yeah, I'm so glad you did because that is a classic, fantastic book. And so yeah. there, there's one more and it's the, it's the book Hamilton, the revolution. It is a, a huge, this huge book that goes into the making of Hamilton. Okay. Uh, kind of what, yeah. you know, what Lin-Manuel Miranda did, you know, kind of made it happen. And it has um, an annotated libretto, which meaning that every single song that, that Miranda wrote, he has annotations, kind of what he was thinking, what his inspirations were. So it kind of gives you a peek into the mind of the artist. I was there a documentary about that as well, or is it, yeah, separate project. So, uh, so it's, it, that, that was a separate project, but I okay. highly recommend Hamilton: The Revolution. If you really yeah. want to see kind of what goes into, you know, really arguably, what I think one of the most creative people of our time, how what his process was, and how we created stuff, and how he, and this is the other thing, how every creator needs a team of people around him to call BS on his work. Sometimes, <laughs> read that book. You have, you have to have people poking holes in you saying, hey, I'm doing this because I love you because I don't want you to fall off into the ditch. 
knowing you, I am was interested because I know we're in that same age range. So it's always an amusing for me to ask this question <laughs> when uh, I know people are around the same age as I am. What's the greatest album of all time? Okay, uh, there's going to be three of them. So first one, Hamilton, the original cast recording. That's the greatest. But the second one, Paul's Boutique by Beastie Boys. I, yeah, Arguably the greatest album ever made. Certainly the greatest hip-hop album ever made. My, and another one of my favorites is Anomaly by an artist named Lecrae. Okay. Uh, one of the best hip-hop albums I've ever heard. So, yeah, yeah, so that, th- that's, those, uh, Paul's Boutique, we are about the same age. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that, absolutely. absolutely. I know you listen to the podcast, but I still didn't send you this question in advance, so you couldn't prepare for it. <laughs> But when you hear the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind? Oh, gosh. My wife. Ah. Uh, she has been able to grow her business, grow her home-based direct sales business like 300% even in the face of cancer. When every day she could have just laid down and just slept and just said, I don't want to do this. Um, she got up every day and she says, no, I'm not going to let this beat me. That's my answer. That's a beautiful one. I have a question. Can you share what your wife's direct sales business is? Can it we is. give a shout out? Oh, yes. Uh, so she works for a uh, shapewear company called Ruby Ribbon. Uh, okay. it is, it's a, uh, it's a shapewear company that helps women basically ditch their bras and go bra free, braless and flawless, they call it. Um, I know way too much about female shapewear now that she's been doing this, but she loves it. And to see how when women put these on and the chain and how much better they feel about themselves. It's pretty amazing how they do it uh, and what she's been able to do. If you would, send us over a link. We'll put it into the show notes and maybe we'll, we can help grow the business a little bit. So I'd be, happy, I'd be <laughs> happy to do that. Thank you. <laughs> Give your wife the shout out as well. So that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And to me, that's the perfect way to wrap up the show. Thank you again, my friend, for, for taking the time today. My last question for you. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners or an ask uh, of everyone out there? I would be very grateful if you, everybody went out to ncuff.coop and they they experience side effects. It's not just short films, but it's essays, it's audio, you know, podcast episodes. It's basically every way that I know how to tell a story is out there. And I'm asking you to to view it not uh, not just say, oh, you know, just I, I I want you to go experience it to meet some amazing people whose stories found me and who was, have been served by this industry in ways that I never could have dreamed and are going to shape how we do things going forward in ways that I cannot possibly imagine. I hope that you go out there and you meet some of the greatest people I've ever met, and hopefully they'll change your life as much as they've changed mine. Oh, I hope everybody does too, because it is amazing work you created. So thank you again, my friend, for for being on the show. We will link to everything in the show notes. There will be all kinds of links. Uh, If people have more questions of you directly, what's your poison? Email, Twitter, LinkedIn. How do you you want people to get you? So they can uh, can find me on my little corner of the internet, andyjanningphoto.com. They can also find me on the socials at at andyjanning. Uh, perfect. Well, I, I, I wish you and your family well. I hope you have a great day, Andy, and I, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Be well, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Before we go, I would just like to thank all of you today for listening. It's, it's such a blast to have these conversations, and we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Once again, a, a big thank you to Andy for taking the, the time out of his schedule to share his experiences with all of us and to, to share this beautiful work that he's making. And a big thank you to our sponsors, PSCU.
Uh, our friends at PSU have been a longtime partner and supporter of ours, so please make sure to click on their link in the show notes and give them some love. See everything they have going on to help the credit union community. A couple last things. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever your poison, we're, we're there. And don't forget about the CU Insight Experience podcast book list. We keep that updated with the, the books mentioned on the show. So once again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day and be well, friends. 